Welcome to episode 42 of The Great Divide. 42 is a big number. We cannot promise you the answer to the life, the universe and everything, but we can promise you part 4 and hopefully this will be the final part of the Steel Town Deep Dive. And we're gonna jump straight into where we left off and we start with, what else? The Great Divide. divide oh my gosh our we, namesake our namesake so i guess we we need to to do right by this song we both yeah, we both spoke about this song uh, as we as we connected today and this is the song that we both struggle with uh, in terms of making sense of and we kind of know what it's about uh, which is about the growing rift between union and management in england which uh, I had to see that to believe it. That's, that's not a conclusion I would ever have gotten to on my own. <laughs> no, me neither. Uh, so um, the lyrics are very convoluted. I will start with the lyrics because they are the tough part. Actually, um, no, I won't. I will start with the music <laughs> because I think the music is the best part of the song. I think uh, the way it starts, that guitar and the build up and the drum roll and you kick off great way of starting a song and it's very big country-esque awesome so uh, it, it's absolutely magnificent and the way they play through it uh, to be honest I really don't know how to attack this song I need to <laughs> uh, perhaps the way to do it instead of us having our own little um, dialogues about it maybe we do a discussion together and get through this together so I will throw this out to you alright um as far as musical highlights on the song, uh, I mentioned the intro. I will also mention the outro uh, as being very great. And we, we kind of end this podcast with it, so I think we don't need to play it back to people. <laughs> but uh, the guitar work, the middle, the middle part, how would you describe that? The, with the soloing? Yeah, the, sol- the, the soloing. Oh, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's classic. It's... Um... As you say, the music to this song is is fantastic to me. It's an awesome example of what I love about Big Country. The midsection, I think, is just brilliant dual guitar stuff happening between Stewart and Bruce. Um vicious it's got that it's i was saying to my wife we were listening to some skids pl- the other day and i remembered um the edge talking about stewart's guitar playing and he said he always had venom in his playing mm-hmm. and I, c- I can really hear venom in that section but not not you know bad venom but just like this viciousness about it but it's it's great it's for a righteous cause yeah attitude it's got a lot of attitude i love it and and that intro you know the since you're asking me um that intro is one of my favorite intros of all time by big country the the tone of that guitar is is 
the the big country distorted guitar tone that I absolutely adore. Um, it kind of sounds like that midsection in the crossing where it where the song the crossing where it stops and bam 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 bam. It's got that same feel to it. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. So anyway, I'm stealing a little bit of your thunder, so I'll stop. But no, but uh, that, that's fine. But the, the the reason I'm asking you about that guitar thing because there is a build up in the song. He says, "Here comes the sign of hope." And then there's this thunderous, venomous thing. Yeah, that's good, actually. That's cool. I'm glad that you, you said that. Yeah, that is the sign of hope, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, so I, I don't know how that plays in, that here comes hope, and it sounds venomous and angry. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's it almost like, to me, it's it's like here here comes the cavalry over the hill, and, and they, can, they can be venomous the union, and angry the union yeah. man is coming charging <laughs> to take well, the know, foreman it's so funny because uh here, here comes another, another nerd alert but you know how lucas george lucas always gets this this uh bad rap for and rightly so in my opinion for this whole plot line in the in the prequels of the trade federation and trade wars and people say that as if oh it's such a boring thing to talk about <laughs> so but you kind of hear that when when you think about this song is about the growing split between unions and and it's like really i mean i'm sure that, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a lot in there that it just escapes me but i don't like to think of it that way and no. I do, it's a very working class song and i think about it from that perspective very much so in fact i i can get into some specific lyrics that i that i love but i don't think about this overriding theme of unions working to fight against their the it, it just seems no. too monotonous absolutely know? yeah i think you have lines like i had the foreman's kiss which uh, in the context of the song us knowing what the song is about could mean that he's in good favor with his boss or management right. due to the fact that perhaps he's good at what he does or, or whatever he has he's the favored son so uh, as with many of the songs on Steel Town, they're just as relevant to the disillusionment with corporate culture as they are to economies being driven by manufacturing or industry. But uh, I, I can hear myself just discussing that. I'm losing interest in this. I, I have no passion. <laughs> 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 well, let right. me give you... Yeah, I, I agree with you. I can give you an interpretation, if, if, if you're ready yeah. for it, yeah. um, of, of what I think about the song, and maybe it'll at least for me it pushes away a little bit of that whole union thing um i mean clearly it's a working class song it, it ties in very well with a song like steel town in some respects and and some of these other things i don't again a lot of it i don't understand but here's my interpretation um it's from the very beginning i walk the slide that only killers will fear what a what an odd line that is mm-hmm. but i think about it it's like well what is what is a place that only killers will fear. What would killers fear? Would they fear justice? Would they fear righteousness? Would they fear fear paying for something that they've done? So I get the feeling that in he's setting this protagonist up in the beginning as so, as someone who is on the side on the right side of something. I don't know what exactly that is, but here comes the skill of choice and all the noise that I will ring along. He, he's talking about his his skill in a particular trade he chose a particular trade area and it sounds like it's something where there's a lot of noise involved whether it's working in a mill working in a factory um this is something he chose but I, i'm not going to read every lyric and go through what i think of every line but generally what i think about this song is that it seems to be from the perspective of a guy who's who's working his life away and is realizing that what's he's realizing the important things in life that 
are passing him by. Um, and I think we see that when he says, "I suddenly I find the truth, and all it is is size and youth." It's almost talking about the futility of of what he views as the futility of a life spent doing nothing but drudgery type of work. And we've had we've had that kind of theme before in Stewart's songs, like the song Charles, even as far back as the skids. Mm-hmm. We've, we've got this feeling of a guy stuck at his machine and just doing this robotic drudgery work um, until he's not even a man anymore. And I, I kind of get that that feeling, even in the chorus, fire away, uh, far away, push the token door. Uh, fire away can, can be looked at as the fire of the industry that he's a part of, whatever that is far away push the token door i've always viewed as this quote-unquote door of opportunity that people maybe talk about you know if you do well on your job you can go through the next door of opportunity you can move up and he's calling it a token door like what does this really mean what does what what kind of opportunities am i really having doing this and it gets even more stronger when he says lie away steal a day as if this whole thing is just a lie and it's stealing his days away as he's making this engine roar um, so I, I don't think he's saying that work is a bad thing necessarily, and maybe that gets more down to the whole idea of this union divide between unions and management that he was thinking about that I can't really wrap my head around because no, that that's what I'm missing, and I was hoping yeah. you would you would that hook would come, but it doesn't come for me. I totally see the thing about wasting away and not living up to your potential, which we have. In just right. a shadow, which we will talk about later, and to some degree, East of Eden. So, but but that's not what the song is supposed to be about. <laughs> well, I think I think maybe that gets down to the fact that, or that can get down to more with what I was saying. There is like he's not saying necessarily that. I guess the work it's in and of itself is a bad thing, or that he doesn't want to work necessarily. But if you're going to take it from the whole perspective of unions versus management, maybe he's looking at the conditions of the work. And thinking that these conditions are not suitable to a good working environment where you feel and take pride in yourself and that, that you feel like people are, are giving you um, respect for what you do. And that's that's the only way that I can get from it. I mean, the whole – I had the foreman's kiss. But then when he says, I never lisped, first of all, that is like a really weird lyric. And it's so hard to even say. The word lisp – yeah. It's difficult enough to say, but then when you add the ED onto it, lisped, you know, it's very difficult to say. I ever lisped. Yeah. And, um, and, for, and years, that, for, for years, I thought that was missed, by the way, which kind of make, makes sense that he was good at his work. He never missed. But then I saw lisped. Right. I thought, this, I okay. thought the same thing as you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow. And and then he says, I'm sure it was a downfall. So it it almost it almost seems like. He he did have the foreman's kiss, but he when I the way I take that is when he never lisps. It I've heard someone else say this too before, and I I kind of glommed onto it. But it's almost like he's not one to just just uh, say all the right things. Like he will speak out if he feels like he needs to speak out, and he he thinks that could have that could be a downfall for him. Um, maybe he's with whereas as far as management is concerned. Um, so I guess the foreman in this in this scenario would not necessarily be a part of management. They would be more on his level or his side. I don't know. And then we get into the point where I'm trying to figure it out too. But Yeah, but if there is a union, there needs to be a, a management on the other side. And we have no reference to, to that management apart from that foreman that I see, right. other than implied. And it could be implied. Maybe we're taking it too literally. I'm, in fact, I'm sure we are. Yeah. But uh, – but, uh, 
yeah, like you said, it, it, we, we don't really have the deep one. This is the song that I struggle with and I believe you struggle with in terms of trying to understand every single line. And perhaps we're not meant to. And perhaps we shouldn't yeah. force it. And um, so I, I guess ultimately for me, I, I think the lyrics, uh, it, it's kind of ridiculous if you consider the, the subject matter and then how poetic this comes out. It is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I, I can't think of a single other artist who would have written this way about this topic if at all they were to write about this topic. So there's kind of like two things um, in the same thing there. That's kind of impressive. Uh, but I had to read what it was about to understand it. And you have your own associations. Uh, the ones I had, I, I had long forgotten. It definitely didn't, didn't fit what I understood it was about. Uh, so... Uh, I can enjoy the lyrics and I can enjoy the music. I think these days I primarily enjoy the music. The lyrics are nice, but the thing of them being so abstract and about an area that I don't have a closeness to or feel that really engaged with, they um, I don't connect with them. So I think that's the, that's the reason why this song, I, I can't rate it as highly as some of the other songs it would be in the latter half of the album mm. that's that's primarily due to a lack of personal connection with the lyrics so it's not like when i when i was 12 with when this album came out and a song like steel town it's not like i personally connect like i've been working on a steel mill and gotten fired and i feel the personal rage but i know what it's about and you always know someone even at that age you understand the struggles of life or you're starting to to understand it so, so there is a connection even there. And then you have write-out songs like Come Back to Me. Everybody who's lost someone can connect with that song. And then you have songs like The Great Divide, when I don't know what the hell he's singing about. So I, <laughs> I wouldn't connect with it. But I would still look at the lyrics and say, you know, it's pretty cool. I walk the slide that only killers will fear. What an yeah. awesome line. I have no <laughs> idea what it's about. So, so I, I will admire it, but I won't connect with it. So that's the reason why I would not rate this song or rank it as high as others but this comes back to the preface we had before getting into this what does a ranking mean it's it's a great song right yeah no i i'm with you um yeah i mean it, it without a doubt i've said this before it is <clears throat> to me it, this is probably the most dense um and i don't mean dense as in dumb obviously <clears throat> excuse me there I mean, dense is just in the meaning is so hard to decipher from these lyrics. They're just so, uh, so, so poetic, but so difficult abstract to and uh, very, yeah. very abstract. And, and I think this is for me personally, this is one of the best examples of of a song that it. even though I feel that way about the lyrics, when I look at them and try to try to figure out everything that's being said, there's always been something about this song to me that just absolutely connects with me and it's probably comes down to the power of just a few of the lines um rather than taking in the whole and, and this and everything as as one type of quote-unquote story but they're just some of these lines that just resonated with me so strongly and then put that together with the, the music that really really resonates with me strongly that this song is actually way up there for me um it, it's it's so many of the best big country songs they they just hit this strange nerve inside it's almost like um i i don't know it's just there's it, it touches this part of your consciousness that you may not be aware of your subconscious your preconscious i don't know what it is but when you try to think about it and put some sort of sense to it you really c 
can't do it. it it almost reminds me of a dream when you wake up from a dream and it's been one of the most amazing dreams that you've had and it it leaves you shaking maybe and feeling if it's a good dream um it it, it gives you this amazing feeling of it's like of melancholy and joy and all this these emotions rolled into one and then you try to when you wake up you you for a second you know exactly what you just dreamed and then you try to talk about it and you realize you have no idea what you're talking about and you cannot remember exactly what happened and it doesn't even make sense anymore but it gave you this feeling that that you knew was real and that you can't deny and that's kind of how i feel about this song which makes it even more it makes me like it even more because it's got a certain mystery to it but there are are these really great lines throughout though i mean that really do I, i love the line um I know my machine. I sweat and steam until the job card colors contrasting with, I know all my dreams. I shout and scream until the day's first break. What a great line there. And, and again, this would kind of lend itself more to the whole general idea of someone feeling like their work is futile in, in terms of what they want to really accomplish with their life. And, He's painting this picture of himself dreaming, and in his dreams, while he's dreaming, he's shouting and screaming in his dreams, which really speaks to someone being incredibly frustrated. And mm. I remember, I remember when these lyrics were printed out, and maybe they're still this way. I haven't looked in the deluxe edition, but I, I remember there was an exclamation point after that line until the day's first break, and there was a big exclamation point. And I always thought that was interesting that they would put it actually put punctuation there. Um, so then there must have been a reason for that. And it's just one of those other odd things that I, I always wondered about. Well, why, why would they put an exclamation point there? Um, obviously, they wanted to really get that line across. But, yeah, I don't know what the quote-unquote great divide is. Here comes the great divide. I don't know exactly what that is, but I'm assuming it's, at least in the context of the song, it's it's this this divide between what, the way I'm taking it, this divide between what this person wants out of life and what is actually there what it, what his life actually is there's this chasm between what he wants to be and i do feel like there's a little hope in this song clearly he even says it here comes a the sign of hope mm-hmm. like you i don't know exactly what that is but the way i take it is that the hope there is that he has had this realization that i find the truth and all it is is size and youth and maybe he's thinking that this realization isn't necessarily isn't necessarily something that he's going to just resign himself to, but maybe that this realization is something that's going to push him to try to do something else, to try to break out of of this hopeless, futile situation that he's in. That's that's how I look at it. That that is kind of a, a hopeful, revolution. Yeah, exactly. It's like this hopeful realization. It's like Norma Ray from. <laughs> yeah. If you go back to the whole Union thing, Sally Field movie, maybe this guy's going to be the Norma Ray of of the the Union. He's going to stand up and <laughs> organize everyone. But I mean, clearly there's a, there's some of that going on here. I don't think it's by accident that people said this was the Union and management rift and everything. I, it's just something that I'm not aware of. I don't know how that was working in in uh in scotland in the uk at the time um i mean i'm sure it's worked the same way that it's worked here in america we've had plenty of union uprisings and union struggles in the past and i'm sure it's the same types of things but um yeah it's something that when i look at it from that perspective that doesn't mean a whole lot to me so like you i I try to take these bigger themes from it and um 
It's best that, in this case, I think. Yeah, I think so too. So maybe we're disappointing people that we're not really explaining or going through the song in detail, but come on, guys. If you can do it, send us a speak pipe. We promise to play you in full. Yeah, <laughs> if there is anyone who can really shed light on the whole union management rift thing and how these lyrics play in, uh, please do. I mean, like like we say, the, the general things are clearly there about this drudgery of work, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But if, there's, if there are more specifics that... You, you think that you know about some of these lines let us let us know but i'm i'm totally fine leaving the song as a as that more of a mysterious type of thing and just taking what i want to take from it and, yeah absolutely um, i think that the big thing here is uh this song illustrate perhaps more than most other songs the difference in outlook between the crossing and the steel town is you still have this thing about hard work but i think where the crossing more had the farming allegories here you have the factories right and it's the same situation but you're kind of as as a farmer you know a farmer's life is hard work but uh when you work in a factory there's a different element of clocking in and you usually don't own the factory you work in and you might not even own always the land as a farmer but i think the factory thing is seen more as a downtrodden uh sort of surroundings and uh you you answer to the foreman so I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised that there is a song about unions or or the workers' rights here. No, I'm not either, and it it fits in perfectly with the themes of the the album. Mm. And um, yeah, it, it certainly does. And I spent time working in a factory a little bit when I was younger, and it was one of the most miserable experiences I've ever had. <laughs> it was, and it it was probably a really good factory as far as the working conditions by most standards, but it it was just so so monotonous and so loud and uh, I had people like offering me drugs on my very first day working there <laughs> and it was I was in my teens at the time my late teens and I I didn't I just couldn't do it I kept I'd worked there for maybe like a week or two and I just I told my dad at the time I was like I, I'm just not cut out for this I can't I can't do this end up getting a job at Dairy Queen <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> which was much better I want but, to see um, a picture of you behind the counter in your white apron <laughs> I was making the peanut buster parfaits <laughs> the, pay, the pay was much less but I enjoyed it much be- much more but um, yeah it was good it was not the best summer job but uh, no. yeah so that's that's the way I look at this this song but from a from a more abstract sense there's just always something about this song that musically this song just hits every note for me um, as far as what I want from Big Country. It's it's gigantic. It's anthemic. The, the guitars are, as we've already said, full of attitude and power. It's got... Uh, I remember Tony mentioning this song specifically in one of, the, one of the old country clubs is saying this was one of his favorite Big Country songs and one of his um, favorite bass uh, parts, bass lines that he did. And I remember being so happy that he mentioned this song because... I've always I've often felt alone in my love for this song. I know people love it, but I've often felt alone in how highly I love the song because it's always lower on the rankings. But um, clearly, this is why I picked the song as um, the the title for uh, for the podcast. It just the song always resonated with me, and and those lines, all it is is size and youth. Talked about them many times on the show. Mentioned them to Stewart as being my favorite lines of his, and I just love them. They're, they're so beautiful, so such a such chills come on to me when I think of them and coupled with the music uh, the guitars on this are just killer the drums are huge 
it just it just has that spine tingling effect that I that I've always looked for. This is my big country crack. <laughs> this is my big country heroin. It's what got me hooked on the band to begin with, and this kind of stuff. After I listen to this, I say, "This is good stuff, man." <laughs> <laughs> and then someone plays me "Leap of Faith," and that's why I say I can't get into this as much. I want that. I want that high that I got from the Great Divide, which of course is not fair, and this but is a whole other conversation. Leap but... of Faith is your big country butt crack. <laughs> there you go. Make the T-shirt. <laughs> 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 no, but it's just that that gigantic quote unquote big music, which was a term that used to be thrown around back in those days. The big music, and and that's what I loved about it. And it's not fair to expect a band to keep making that over and over again, but that's that did give me a certain a certain high that that it's no other music has been able to accomplish. And the Great mm. Divide is one of the best examples of of a song for me in the Big Country catalog doing that so yeah i'm not surprised because i uh in some regards i see uh the great divide as a guitar player song i think yeah, it's, it is uh, it is uh, full of guitar perhaps i'm gonna be dangerous it's, it's a dangerous thing to say because this album is so full of guitars but i think the great divide really has the guitar players connoisseurs uh kind of riffs and fills and uh intros and everything so it i'm does. not i'm not surprised that you latch onto that perhaps a little bit more than me but yeah, I, right. But I really like it. It's, you know, I like it enough to rank it as number nine, in fact. Oh, <laughs> that's a lot of like. It's funny <laughs> that we have two dueling number nines here. Well, for me, it is number three. So it's it's big on my list. Um, and, and probably at sometimes it would have been number two, but uh, mm. maybe even at times it's number one, but it's number three. And yeah. I, rem- I just have a distinct memory of hearing that, that. This is the one song on this album that I, well, Flame of the West probably too, but I remember the moment that I heard that guitar opening of this song. I still remember the moment and, mm-hmm. and how much it captured my imagination. So that's why it's big. It's up there for me. Right. Very, dif- very difficult to figure this song out, but it works. Yeah, sure. It sure does. Oh, wait. Did we do the favorite lyric? Let's do... F- okay. Do favorite lyric. So favorite line from this song. I would have to pick I Walk the Slide That Only Killers Will Fear. Yeah, just, ju- cool. just, Just for the stark dramatics of, of, of those words. It really is a cool line. Yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. And for me, you already know it. Yeah. I find the truth. Suddenly I find the truth. All it is is size and youth. Beautiful line. One of his best. Okay. So on to the final song on Steel Town. Just a Shadow. Right, so I had a couple of people ask me about this. Uh, why did you dedicate these episodes to this un- this person that we've never heard of <laughs> at the beginning of all these episodes? Well, it was kind of a personal thing, and um, I appreciate Svein having no problem with me doing it, but I'll explain it now. But th- this is a good friend of mine. His name was Chris Herball. I met him in junior college, and I didn't think about doing this, uh, dedicating these shows to him when we first started talking about it. It was only when we st- I started looking at the songs that I thought I would like to do that because just for myself, he was probably one of the best friends I ever had, really. I mean, right up there with uh, just a couple people that I've been friends with in my life. Just um, one of those friends who just 
strangely seems to share everything that you love, has the same sense of humor as you, and someone that you can learn things from and that he can learn things from you, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this guy I met, and I've met so many great people, present company excluded. No, I'm just kidding. Um, because of Big Country. And um, so many great things have come into my life because of Big Country. And this was another example of that. I remember being in a video production class in junior college. And we were working on these these uh, videos that we were, we were putting together. And I remember hearing distinctly just a shadow coming from an editing booth. And I didn't know anybody else who loved Big Country. So I was like, whoa, what is going on here? And... I heard, I heard the opening strains of Just a Shadow, and I went in there, and there was this guy, Chris, and I said, do you like Big Country? And he said, yeah, I love Big Country. And he was using Just a Shadow to be the backing track of this video that he was working on that he, he called Man Birds. <laughs> it, was a, it, was, it was a video about hang gliding, and where we lived, we lived in this kind of country area, and there were a lot of small mountains, types of big hills, and, and there was this this sort of community of hang gliders and they would they would go hang gliding and he took all this video of it and he wanted to do a, a little mini documentary of it and there was really no voiceover to the documentary it was just all these great shots of people hang gliding and he put just a shadow underneath it and it fit so so beautifully so anyway we became great friends uh as a result of that moment and um i remember him having the east of eden 12 inch and he played me prairie rose for the first time and I'd never heard that before. I I didn't even know what a 12-inch was. I think even then, I think he maybe maybe, maybe uh, clued me in on what that was. And he got me interested in many different forms of music, the replacements and Husker Du and punk stuff. And anyway, he, he was a big, huge uh, influence on me and a great friend. And so that's why I dedicated this to him. He's no longer alive, sadly. Um he had similar issues as Stuart, strangely enough, and he passed away two weeks after Stuart did. So it was a very, very difficult uh, month there for me. But uh, he was a great friend. So I just wanted to dedicate these episodes to him because I think about him often still. And uh, he loved Big Country, and we often talked about it. And he, he was one of those guys, though, actually, who completely left the Big Country fold after Peace in Our Time came out. In fact, I was always, after that, I was always trying to convert him back to Big Country, and he was kind of uh, a little bit like, no, no, they, they're not sounding like the early stuff. But anyway, he always had a soft spot for them still, and he always would ask me about them. But uh, I, I think about him a lot, and this brought a lot about, of that back up. So that's why I dedicated the episode to him, and thank you for allowing me to do a little tribute to him there. So on to the song, Just a Shadow. Um, what a great, what a great way to end the album. I mean, it's a perfect way to end the album, both musically and lyrically. Um, I, and I think the, the title of this song says it all and, and says everything that Stuart has been saying throughout this album, basically the, the overall themes that he's been talking about. And this album kind of ends on this note. Everything I've said throughout this album reflects just a shadow of what humanity can be. And I think that's the message he's getting through here in a big, broad sense. This is just a shadow of what we can be. We can be so much better than this. He, he's laid it out how awful the various situations he's talked about are, from specific things he's mentioned to big things he's mentioned on a world scale to a personal scale. And 
he's now giving this plea here. So it's not a completely hopeless album. And I like that. I'm, I'm really relieved that there, even though this song is certainly no, nowhere near a rousing, yay, we've done it or we can do it type of song by any stretch of the imagination, there's still, there's still at least a glimmer of hope. There's a plea to the listener, like, do something. This is not what we should be. We should be so much better than this. But I, I, think could, we, I, I could actually set you up a bit because I have two quotes from Stuart. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, it's... Uh, it's a much easier song than most on the album, but uh, what he said in the Country Club magazine 8 and 9, the combined issue, is it's about when people don't have the opportunities to lead the kind of life they would like and become a shadow of the people they should be, which is exactly what you said before. Yeah. I have a second quote from Sounds in 1990, so with a few years hindsight. This song is an encapsulation of the whole of Steel Town. It's a song about people not achieving their potential. It's very indicative of the time when it was written, right in the middle of the miners' strike. Mm. It summed up a lot of what I felt, having grown up in a mining family. I tried to do justice to the people involved, to write about them with dignity. So there you have uh, it. That's great. That is a perfect setup. Yeah, good. Well, I'm glad I'm on the right track then, because we see that throughout these lyrics. And I, I think I think the the whole domestic abuse is pretty clear in the in the beginning but it's more than just domestic abuse it's not it's not a song that's about don't hit your your wife <laughs> it's just showing that this is a this is a byproduct of this type of thing happening and i think this could be the people that that were from corby or from the steel town or from any place that that things turn on them as they turned on the families in steel town i mean he says it went so well for you with a place right where you wanted and the ones to fill it too so the the person here Maybe thinks that they've achieved that dream where they've got a job, they've got a family, they've got a home, and it looks great. But then it all turns on them, whether the industry collapses or or whatever happens. Everything turns on them, and he says, some blows break the spell, and it hits you every day until you need to hit as well. And what a great way to, to explain that kind of frustration that you just mentioned in the quote – Everything turned through no fault of their own, and the frustration builds up so much that this person uh, turns on turns to someone who they love with violence. And obviously, he's not condoning that, and he's not trying to give an excuse for that. But he's showing that these types of things happen, and these types of things cause these other smaller things to happen. and And he's showing why that's the case, and and just other examples of the the terrible things that happen as a result of these larger things happening the fallout so to speak mm. um and then what what i think is interesting is that that first verse is aimed at what i'm assuming is the man and then the second verse is aimed at the woman it all seemed fine for you until the struggle of ambition turning violence upon you sometimes a landslide comes and if you're hiding in that avalanche you need a place to run it all seemed fine for the woman until the struggle of ambition that the husband was feeling to to make this life for them, to provide a good life for the family, it turned on him, and that in turn turned into violence on the woman. And uh, I, I I love how he's he's taking both of their perspectives there in those two verses. Um, and the chorus really sums up as as Stewart said in that quote you read. It really encapsulates Steel Town as a whole. It's just a shadow of the man or the woman that you should be there. You you can do better. You can do so much better in, in 
this this life. There's there's more that you can be, but it doesn't mean that you will do better. And I think that's the steward that we all know and love. He's not saying you will accomplish this. He's just saying there's something else out there, but it's up to you to find it. It's up to you to find that garden in the forest that the world will never see or may never see unless you do something about it. And um, that's that promise that he mentions later in the song, that, that promise that there is a garden in the forest somewhere, but it's up to you to find it. And that, that goes back to, in a big country to me, uh, not expecting to grow flowers in the desert. It's really the same thing uh, to me in a lot of ways. But he's saying that there there is something that the world may never see, but it's up to you to let them see it. Um, and then in the in the later sections of the song, he he's talking about frustration again and not never finding a hand. And I always found the mention of El Dorado interesting when he says, "Did we ever have it good while we lived in El Dorado? Did we find the gold we should?" And it's kind of there. He's he's saying, "Is was it?" Were the good old days maybe really the good old days? Was this struggle for for wealth and for materialism? I often kind of took that as kind of um, a search for materialism and his comments on it. Uh, El Dorado being this mythical place that has been uh, written about many times. And it's kind of this uh, lost city of, of wealth that people often search for. And uh, the city of gold. And I don't remember all the specifics about it, but I know that people would search for this place and they would end up dying or killing others in, in this vain search for this place called El Dorado that was this mythical place of gold and riches and wealth. And it always, kind of like going back to the whole one ring of Sauron, it always poisoned the person who became infatuated infatuated with finding this place. And um, I just think that it's interesting that he mentions that and chose that word. It's kind of like... If if it really was true that that riches or wealth or just flat out materialism or even just flat out trying to place um, financial ambition over things like family and and obviously they all go together you you've got to you've got to work you've got to make money for a family and so it's not like he's bringing it down to that level but I guess he's saying making that your main priority to move ahead, quote unquote, if that was really the thing that everyone should strive for, why does it always lead to people's faces filled with anger? And he goes back to the whole youth thing, which he mentions in The Great Divide. They should only shine with youth, but this quest for the mythical place of El Dorado, this quest for material fulfillment in in Stewart's mind here really is only leading to bad places. And it's not like the people he's mentioned in the beginning of this song are consumed with riches. I mean, they're just consumed with getting by and making a good life for themselves, which is a completely, as as he said again in that quote, a dignified, respectable thing for anyone to do. So I don't, I don't know. We've got maybe two different factions that he's mentioning here. Um, but it all comes back to the same thing. It's just a shadow of the people we should be. There's so much more that we can do. Um, and I, I just love the the final verse and the final line. And, and this is where he, he kind of gives that, that hint. There is a promise. There's, there's a promise comes of living fit for all. And, but then he says, if we only get our back against the wall, you might think, well, what, what does that mean? Because it almost seems like he's asking people to put their back against the wall. Whereas when you think of someone with their back against the wall, you think that it's there 
not by a desire to put their back against the wall, but it's there because they have no other choice. They're backing up. They're they're finding themselves backed into a corner, and there's certainly that that comes into play here too. But I've always looked at that line. Well, not always, but it, at least in the last you know number of years, as I've looked at the lyrics more, as them push of them purposefully pushing against a wall that is closing. I kind of look at that line as as um or that whole imagery there sort of like uh, someone being in a room where the walls are closing and they're 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 going to eventually just destroy who's ever in there or squash them take them back to the Star Wars uh, the first Star Wars with the shut down all the garbage mashers on the detention level <laughs> <laughs> say that 10 times fast yeah exactly i'm surprised i said it once but the walls are closing you've got to literally, literally get your back against the wall to push against the walls as they're closing in on you that's kind of how i've took took that and if p- more people do that, he's saying in this song, if more people will put their back against these walls that are closing and push, maybe they can reverse it and make them go the other way. And I love the, the just the lines when he says he's looked at backs who have tried to do that for years, scarred by many knives and too much fear. Um, so again, he can't help it. He can't help but come back to, you know, but it still might be hopeless. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's not a promising outlook that you should do this. By the way, these guys did it for a long, long time, and they're just <laughs> scarred, man. <laughs> I know. I know. That, that's so typical of Stewart's lyric writing, and uh, I love it. But yeah, he he does offer us a chance. It's kind of, again, that movie line. So there is a chance <laughs> when someone says a one in a million chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Well, yeah, but, you know, but yeah. um, so it, it's tough, tough lyrics. Again, yeah, just very, very tough, but there there is this this glimmer there's a glimmer there and that's what i've always loved about about the song and about um i think it's a great way to wait to end the album because i don't want everything to end on just complete blackness uh, as Stuart's liner notes referred to out of dark out of light darkness the circle closes eh, tough way to write about this album but it's not completely accurate when you look at this song i mean the circle is just about closed make no mistake about it but there is still something there there is something there and if someone can see it and move toward it maybe there's a chance someone can get out of it um so there's my take on the lyrics uh musically it's just a gorgeous gorgeous song it's it's one of uh one of his best one of Stewart's best one of the band's best i should say really um creations the chords are beautiful it's it's again it's a it's a little different from the songs that we've heard on the album so far before it's a more laid-back feel there's there's a lot of power in the song still there's a lot of um attitude in the in the presentation but there's still kind of a melancholy we've we've we fought the battle that we fought for the past nine songs now we're overlooking and seeing the carnage and what has happened and we're looking at it from a from a perspective of of taking a step back now and, and looking at the broad view of, of what's just happened. And uh, I get that from the music. It's, it's um just great chord progressions, beautiful, clean chords happening there. And again, in an album full of great intros, we've got another just gorgeous intro and played on guitar. I'm assuming there's some kind of effect going on there. I never exactly figured out what that effect was on the guitars, but it's got this, keyboard synthesizer type of feel to it much like tall ships go had but it's not it's 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 mainly guitars there and it's uh 
and some bass pedal thing happening from Tony. And man, what a beautiful sound it makes. And again, when I go back to my friend Chris, it's I heard that sound and I immediately thought, wow, someone of like mind here. And because someone who grasps that and really is taken by that sound of that song, I think we've all we've all would look to that intro as one of the reasons we love big country. Um, but there's not a whole lot to say about it musically as far as specific moments. It just, as a whole, it just works so perfectly. Uh, it works so beautifully. And that outro, again, another tremendous, tremendous outro from, for a song here, uh, when it gets into the kind of the double time playing from Mark and, the just beautiful melodic lead lines from Stuart. Um, and it's not like he's playing, but that's what I love so much about Stuart's guitar playing here. He's not just going off on these um, improvised lead parts, which he certainly could have done there. He's playing what is clearly a structured melodic piece, but it has all of the power of a great searing lead guitar solo. And but it's very structured and it's very thought out, and and the melody that he uses just continues to work so well with the way the music is rising and the emotions that are rising, and it's just a, just a fantastic play out. I can't think of a better way to to end an album. <laughs> I can't think of a better way that a big country album has ever ended. And um, I think we almost I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think we almost got an attempt at it on I Could Be Happy Here, but it just, it, it kind of reminds me of a similar type of attempt at a play out. But of course, that's not even in the same league. It really is just a shadow. But as far as just the, that kind of attempt, I, I kind of see some similarities there. But uh, yeah, just an incredibly strong song. And, and I, I mentioned this on Steel Town, the presentation of that on the uh, Seer Live in New York video when they have little, like a little video vignette to that song. And you get that on Just a Shadow too. So. Go back if you've got that. Watch the Seer live in New York, and when they play this song live, the director does another really cool montage of these old clips that just go along really, really well with the music that's being played. And um, yeah, I, I still don't quite get the the whole old people thing that he mentions as, as in other times he's introduced this song. Maybe you have some light you could shed on that, but. Um, it doesn't matter. I, I again, just again, take the overriding feel of the message of the song can be summed up in that one line. It's just a shadow of the people we can be, and I think that's what he wants to leave the listener with after he's gone through this meticulous depiction throughout this album of these different scenarios. This is the final message he wants to leave you with, and it's a yeah. brilliant after message. the character assassination on the future of mankind. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So uh, I don't yeah. I, I don't care a lot of the old people either. I think even he says why are faces filled with anger that should only shine with youth. And he I guess he could mean that old people could also shine with youth if you look at youth as some sort of energetic or uh, optimistic uh, kind of outlook. That's but I don't know where yeah. that comes from. That's very interesting. That could be the yeah, that could be the section in the song that he's thinking about old people because he's th- he's saying did we ever have it good? And you do often hear that from older people uh, back in the good old days quote you definitely lived a while when you start asking that yeah you, d- you don't ask a 20 year old right out of school did we ever have it good right you know, well, my, my childhood was all right <laughs> <laughs> no so that 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 could um that could give those associations but it's still a stretch i, I kind of think he includes everybody because this is not about necessarily having lived a life and 
failed at living up to your potential. This is someone who's failing now. Yeah. So this is, I think, someone who's going on. But I, I don't think he excludes old people. But I don't see why it's about old people. We do get them in the video, though. So they must have had some thought about them, you know. Yeah. Well, maybe that's where it comes from. To be honest, we don't we don't get l any lyrical references to a cat, though. <laughs> I think I rant. You, you're trying to set me up for another <laughs> rant, are you? I'm trying to get a rant in here. Uh, no, to please Kenny. <laughs> no, but uh, to take a step back, it's clearly about people not achieving their potential, and that makes it a sister song to again East of Eden, where people are trapped in a situation that they, that they can't get out of. This might be less about being trapped and more about not uh, getting the opportunities or taking the opportunities or being on the wrong path. Either way, uh, you're not living up to your potential. So that's, uh, that's what it's about. And yeah, I think you covered that quite nicely. So the theme of violence is very interesting, where it hits you every day until you need to hit as well, and the struggle and ambition turn on violence upon you. Uh, I think I agree with your theory that this is more a byproduct of the situation rather than a song about violence. But I think for years I've heard a song about domestic violence, where I see it more as a, a side product or an ingredient, if you will, in the bigger picture. Uh, so the interesting thing is this is, um, you mentioned the flower in the desert. Here we have the garden in the forest that the world will never see. And he picked that up again on Remembrance Day with the flower in the forest that the world would never see. Ah, interesting. So, so this is a very, uh, it's a red thread in Stuart's writing. So he would use it certainly in what people consider the golden uh, trilogy of albums. There's references to this throughout on at least one song. Hmm. And uh, I think he refers to really the potential again, that within us there is a place, a flower, as he says in Remembrance Day, a garden, as he says in uh, Just a Shadow, that uh, if the world never sees it, that means it's hidden, it, it doesn't come out. It could be the potential, it could be the man or the woman you could be. Uh, so I think it's, it's clearer, it, it works for me better as a flower, because the flower is something that can spring bloom, and the people who see it sees who, who you are. And I think there's also the private aspect that it's not just the potential, but it's really the private side of you that you don't show to anyone. Mm. And if, if you hide it, you also hide some of the potential there because people uh, in, in interaction with other people, obviously who you are and how you present yourself is one side of it. So uh, I think coming from a very private person, as Stuart arguably was, that's a very interesting sentence to put into several songs mm. about a private side of yourself and uh, slash potential, where, where I think that just a shadow is more about the potential, but maybe Remembers Day is more about the private side. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a thing that I've seen. And uh, obviously in later songs, he would never use these words. He would not use perhaps the more mystical or poetic way of phrasing it, but he definitely touched on this topic in a more direct way. One thing, one thing about garden, though, that's interesting is that the interesting choice is that a garden tends to help more than one person. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that was in his thought process rather than saying a single flower, but who knows? Yeah, the flower is definitely the person that, uh, himself being hidden away. Right. Whereas the garden perhaps is... Uh, something yeah, something everyone could benefit from, which seems to be like a theme for this song. You know, if, if everyone 
tries to improve themselves, everyone can benefit. Yeah, definitely. Maybe if you if you stay in a garden, you don't have your back against the wall, so to speak, and you don't <laughs> right. you don't have you, it doesn't have to turn into violence. So no, it, it, there are many things there that that are going on, but it all points to the same thing: that people are not achieving their potential. And uh, I don't know if I agree with you on how hopeful this song is. To me, it's a pretty bleak song. It offers no solution other than. Perhaps that there is that thing. You should try. <laughs> you should do something. Yeah, and that's all I'm saying it is. I, I don't really view it as a, quote, hopeful song either. I just think he just is saying there is something you can do, but you very well may not find it. <laughs> so right. Like, yeah, I was just thinking what you said about the album ending on uh, perhaps with, with that glimmer of hope. Um, yeah, perhaps that's enough. Yeah. Perhaps that is uh, maybe not a glimmer of hope, but uh, at least an urge to uh, to try. Well, it's not a blinding light of hope, but it is just a little flicker glimmer. <laughs> it's yeah. just a little glimmer. Out of light, darkness. <laughs> yeah. No, but one thing I do agree on is the way the album ends musically with that play out. I think that the last 90 seconds is is glorious. Mm. And and that melody line that he plays throughout, it, it's, it's kind of what he did those first two albums i think already on this year we started getting less of that and more of the conventional guitar solo you see kind of still shades of it but the first two albums you get a 100 percent that kind of treatment where instead of guitar solos you have a melody line that is played designed works perfectly works absolutely perfectly and also the huge playouts we, we discussed them in the past kind of like the crossing has that the song the song the crossing East Royal has that, a long, glorious playout, which again, uh, for 1993, uh, makes me think of these times, like where he, he designed the guitar line, because that's not a flaring solo either. Right. It's a very nicely played line. Yep. And you have traces of it in uh, Into the Fire on No Place Like Home, yeah. of all albums, you could say. It ends on a long, gorgeous playout. That's right. So they, they have some of them there, and I, I love them. I can't think of a single one of those playouts that I don't like. And uh, I would pine for one uh, for on the next album. So please, <laughs> something like this would be a wonderful way to uh, to end an album yeah. or even a song. It just just to have, to have something like that. I so agree. that is a gorgeous way of ending the album, I think. we ended the album i think we have holy madre de dios 
We did it. We actually did do it this time. We we pretended uh, yeah. last time. <laughs> but overall, you know, this is a springboard for further discussion or for people to reflect on it on their own. A springboard. It makes sense. This a is, springboard. This is an uh, this is a deep dark abyss of Steeltown discussion. This is a deep dive if I have ever seen a deep dive. Come on now. This is like four hours of four or five hours of deep Steeltown discussion. <laughs> it is. A springboard. So it, this deep dive will serve as a springboard <laughs> for people to dive further into the album in the areas where we might not have had local knowledge. Before we before we jump too much in like the debriefing wrap up thing, we should uh, before it escapes us, we should rank Just a Shadow and give our favorite lyric. Uh, for, You're absolutely right. So for me, um, my favorite lyric of this song would have to be, if it really was the truth, why are faces filled with anger that should only shine with youth? Beautiful way to, that beautiful lines that can be imp- applied to many different things um, that people look at as the quote unquote truth. And as someone who was just out yesterday in the thralls of people doing Christmas shopping, as soon as I even got into the mall parking lot someone pulled out in front of me and almost caused an accident and i'm just thinking like is is it really all about this yeah and i know i was a part of it too but uh so you can even apply it to that and then i saw many faces filled with anger yesterday <laughs> and the it, struggle of christmas up shopping turned in violence up on you. that's right <laughs> and then i saw the sweet faces of my children shining with with youth uh, yes (laughs) so you you can apply that to so many different things but i think that's a beautiful line but how about you this was this this was a bit ridiculous (laughs) but we have to you can apply it to things but i think that uh no i would pick scarred by many knives and too much fear for probably not so obvious reasons but that uh goes back to when i listened to it as a 12 year old Mm. and that line just stood out for whatever reason and so it still stands out because I noticed it then and it's become one of those things that the last word on the album is fear. Oh, yeah. Yep. I think of it in those terms. And it's, um, it's a powerful line. And especially in uh, regards to the discussion we had on that particular verse of pushing the back against the wall and how much hope is that? You should try to push the back against the wall, but then you have the knives and you have the fear. Uh, it's a very deep line. It really is. Because if this is a song with people driven by fear, that's uh, it brings a whole different. It it casts a light on the rest of the song from from that just that last word. Yep, definitely. Good choice. Where do you rank the the song? The the space I have left, unfortunately, because I think so highly of it, is number eight. (laughs) I I was feeling bad about mine. Now I don't feel quite as bad. Yeah, I know. I, I feel so strongly about the song, and yet it ranks at number seven. And I'm looking at it like, really? Wow. But it it, re- it really is one of the songs that I would not necessarily seek out as often as the other ones. So I guess that's why it fell back, and I can't explain why, but I guess it... I, I have to agree. This is a song with some uh, road wear. It has been played a lot. Yeah. And not a lot of the songs on this album has that road wear, but Just a Shadow is a song that they have played live. I, I think the image that I, that it's hit me about the rankings of this song, I think of the, all of these songs as like ten thoroughbred horses, and they're mm-hmm. they're in this great race, and one of them is just going to win by a nose, and all the rest are right there. So that's how I look at these rankings. There there aren't any horses that are lagging in the rear or or way behind. So it's, no song is the horse's ass. That's right. Only the hosts of the show. So before we move too far away from the rankings, 
Yeah. You want to hear the total one? Yeah, let's hear it. So this is the total ranking for Steel Town as per Tom and Svein. And uh, the best song, or the one with the lowest score, which is good. If we rank a song number one, that says uh, that is that is good. So low points is great. Where the Roses Zone got four points. That is our favorite joint song. Got it. Okay. Uh, Steel Town and Flame of the West both got six points, so they follow there. Cool. Then we have Tall Ships Go got eight points. The Great Divide and Come Back to Me both got twelve. Girl with Gray Eyes got thirteen. Rain Dance got fourteen. Just a Shadow got 15, and East of Eden squarely last with 20. Nice. Well, not nice. I don't know. I, I, I feel sad about any song coming in last here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but yeah, it's I interesting. Mean, you, you can't argue East of Eden since that was the one song we didn't have any difference on, but Just a Shadow, second to last already, I feel bad. Yeah. That's a brink of bad conscience, but we already said how little the rankings mean. <laughs> we, we do it for academic purposes. Shot! So as as we wrap up here, I mean, um, what else is there left to say? I guess we can talk a little bit about some of the some of the B sides that didn't quite make the album. I mean, we've got, uh, I think the probably the the main one that people will talk about is Winter Sky, which was recorded um, after the album came out, I believe, or after it was after the album was recorded. Winter Sky was recorded. Yeah. Um, Bruce actually uh, added something to this. He said it was recorded in Edinburgh long after Stockholm. It was recorded last minute for a B-side, only Stuart and I on it. I played 12-string and used Bill Nelson's White Hoyer for lead bits. Stuart played bass guitar, then snare drum on keyboard. I played bass drum on keyboard. Stuart did all the vocals. (laughs) Would have been great to have had Tony and Mark on it, but it had to be done the next day at Phonogram's request to make pressing deadline. Few glad I got he he says few glad I got that one out. <laughs> so <laughs> so he's, yeah, I'm glad too because uh, what a great beautiful song. But I know we on the roundtable discussion. I I know Arlen had mentioned specifically that the, the song didn't really sound the same uh, as a Steel Town song. Well, there's a big reason for it. It was not done in the studio. The Steel Town was recorded. It was not done with Tony. It was not done with Mark. And it was uh, put together very quickly. But um, yeah, boy, what a beautiful song. It's a nice little song. It's kind of impressive if they can knock out that on, on short notice yeah. and you know, just keep at it. But uh, one of my favorites is uh, is the cover of, uh, let me see, what's it called? Prairie Rose. Oh, yeah. How could I forget that? The Prairie Rose is, um, that would be my favorite B-side from the entire Steel Town Sessions. I think it's a ferocious song. and We talked about it on the B-side episode three years ago. Or something like that. Has it been that long? Good lord. Two at least, if not three. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's two and a half, I think. Yeah, yeah, something so, like that. So, uh, so we talked about that quite a bit, and yeah, I think that that one is great. And obviously, we have belief in the small man, which is a song that have the full production quality of the album. I think that was done Ooh. in Stockholm. That's the one for me. I, 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 for me, Prairie Rose. I really like a lot of it, but it, I, it doesn't, doesn't connect with me nearly as much as it does with some other people. I, musically maybe maybe because it's not their song i don't know but i don't there's something about it it's ferocious but for me belief in the small man is is the song that just does it for me that that, the only thing i would say about that being on the album i think musically it it reminds me of the great divide in places um so maybe there was too much of a similarity there i don't know but that to me is just a majestic (laughs) song and by the way the the version on um the deluxe edition which has just the musical version 
of that song. I'm mm-hmm. so happy that's on there because it's so great to hear those guitar parts isolated and and without just so great to hear the instrumental version of that because it just just an incredible song to me. I love that song. Yeah. It's it's mind boggling that that's a B side, but I, I know we say that about a lot of big country B sides. But oh yeah, we certainly do. That and is it's called uh, it's called bass concerto, by the way. Right, that's, the that's right, that's right. Yeah, how could I forget that? <laughs> yeah, bass uh, concerto full name. of yeah, full of huge distorted guitars, but um, yeah, interesting. Sure. And then we have the twelve inch mixes. Yeah, and it, and what, what's to say about those? I mean, the, they um, they they are almost in the same category as these uh, rough mixes that we got on the deluxe, because we you, you really hear the parts. I think the twelve inch mixes on Steel Can are glorious. Me too. As as good as the ones for the Sierra are bad. <laughs> yeah, and I I think there are the ones on the Sierra that stand out are clearly the ones with the horns and stuff. There are some other ones that I actually like, but. Yeah, the ones on Steel Town are really good. In fact, the East of Eden one is my favorite, which is interesting consider, considering that came in as our last ranked song. But mm-hmm. I love the way that's done on the 12-inch, mainly because they really do bring out certain guitar parts and isolate certain things, and it sounds a little bit more or less cluttered, I guess, musically to me uh, on the 12-inch, which is kind of odd because usually a 12-inch might be more cluttered but um they really strip it down on the 12 inch like piece by piece and i I love that i love the approach of it Now, I, I wouldn't say I prefer it to the album, but I think it's more interesting than the album, if that makes sense at all. No, it does, because, I mean, the 12-inch, by definition, is not really meant to be a song. The, no, right. You know, so it's not like this is a better version of the song of East of Eden, but I think I would have liked it if the song had maybe taken some of the leads from the 12-inch mix and maybe stripped it down a little bit more in, in places. But uh, I don't know. It's... There's, I remember where the Rosa Zone is, has some cool stuff as well on there, and just great those, bass lines. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about Tony on this album. You, you hear him on the twelve inch mixes up front, and I think that's the the majesty that parts are lifted up front, and the guitars were already kind of up front. So it's the bass that is noticeable, and some of the drum fills that are just used there with echo. So he will do one, and then it will trail off. Yeah, and it, it just kind of underpins the the greatness. You you, you get it right there. Yeah, definitely. And I guess really the last thing to say about, I mean, at least from my pers- perspective, would be maybe the the Steel Town tour over the years. I mean, it's kind of one of those tours that has that, at least for me, who, who and probably for you too, wasn't there. It's like, uh, <laughs> I think we said it once before, actually, it's like our Kiss Creatures of the Night tour. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking of that. <laughs> I was just thinking exactly the same thing. People are scratching their head and in, in, in the Kiss uh career trajectory of kiss they released this really heavy dark album called creatures of the night and it was not a success for them and they did a very short tour of the album and and there's very little footage of it there aren't as many bootlegs of it and like among kiss fans they're always clamoring for this uh kiss creatures of the night show you know if if they ever came out with a great professionally shot 
version of something from the Creatures of the Night tour. It would be a great dream come true for Kiss fans. But that's kind of how yeah. I looked at the, at the Steel Town tours. Like I never quite got a feel for what it was like. And I know I've I've heard some shows, and the one in Edinburgh is uh, is is one of the ones that I've heard probably the most from. But uh... I started out these episodes by reading out the dates and uh, the timeline for Steel Town. And if you look back at those and the tour. They started touring in uh, in October. The town and country tour. It started on October the sixth, and it consisted of a series of shows in the UK, and it culminated with uh, the Wembley shows in December. Mm. Uh, so they had two months, one month, which uh, or at least a couple of weeks. They started before the album was out, even, which is kind of a little strange. And then they didn't tour much in uh, 1985. Yeah. So it was it was a short tour, and it's not a very circulated uh, tour. No, it's There's not. There's not a whole lot of stuff from it. But you know, um, we do have something. But yeah, it's. Uh, I would love to have been at the any of those shows, and probably the best way to wrap things up now is uh, to comment on the current tour, which is probably over by the time this comes out. They've they've yeah. they've done it. They've played Steel Town in its entirety on many many nights, and um, I don't know how much you've looked at the footage, but uh, everything I've seen, uh, I've really been impressed with the way they it sounded. I'm I'm impressed with the way Simon has sung these songs, and um, I just I give a lot of props to the guys for figuring these songs out, for finally bringing them, bringing some of these songs that have never been played before to giving yeah. them live life. And uh, sure, it's always a melancholy bit of a melancholy feeling when you're hearing them and Stuart's not there and you're missing him. But uh, boy, they I think they've done justice to these songs and I'm really proud of them for, for doing this. And uh, it was a great thing to do. I think those who cannot get over the fact that Stuart isn't there, that that's a fair point. I think they have left, most of them. So those who are still here are itching to hear this material. And it's a big credit that they did it. Big credit that they pulled it off. And we, we only have to go back a couple of interviews where Bruce was saying, first of all, most of them can't be played. That was the first time. And then in episode, I think, 31, that was the first of this year, he said, well, most of them can be played, but we probably won't do that one or, or that one. And now they're playing all of them. So it, I guess it's been a process for them as well to just relearn and, uh, and get into it. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I'm sure it meant a lot to them, and I know. Uh, I think Bruce said something like uh, it was going to be sad for the show for these sh- shows to end. So it, it must have meant a lot to them too. So hopefully we can get them mm-hmm. on at some point, um, down the road in the new year, and we can ask them about their experience touring this album. That'll be interesting. And uh, but yeah, so I mean that's that's Steel Town, everyone. That's our deep dive of Steel Town and. I think uh, I speak for Svein when I say we are both excited and relieved that this one is in the can, <laughs> so to speak. Don't go anywhere with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was, I, my mouth was open, but it closed. <laughs> uh, I'm impressed that that even uh, that your your knowledge of English goes so far that you could even recognize the opportunity for a joke with saying "in the can." A toilet reference? Come on. <laughs> Good for you. CJ, stop laughing to wherever you are right now, and lay off the sauce. All right, so I got nothing left. I'm 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 emotionally dead inside. We are running on fumes here. 
<laughs> so yeah, so thank- my mouth was open again, but I closed it again. <laughs> All right, well, even I can't figure that one out, but I'll, I'll someone else. <laughs> okay, anyway. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it in the YouTube. All right, good. Uh, as always, find us on Facebook, The Great Divide. Just search for that. Find us, uh, send us an email, bigcountrypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at bigcountrypod. And that is it until next time, which might be a Yuletide episode if we can get that done in time. And who knows what will be coming next year, but I guess we'll talk about that on the Yuletide show if it, in fact, does come to pass. The Yuletide will come to pass one way or the other. (laughs) All right. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. As I sit here with my head in my hands. <laughs> but that's uh, that's 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 what makes me smile. My face should only be shining with youth, and now it is well, at least with middle age, and, and now it is hanging in sorrow, thinking about all the editing that lies before me as I record these words. What a thought! A face shining with middle age. Oh my God, that's hilarious! All right, that's it. We're gonna play something at the outro to this. As I write this, as I say this, I mean we have no idea what it is. So it could be a cover, it could be a big country song, it could be all of the above. So uh, enjoy it, <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Hello.
These next two songs we're going to play are uh, actually things that, that run into each other. And uh, the first one is called Where the Roses Sown. And it's about how people would sacrifice one generation on behalf of the other. Where the Roses Sown.
A good effort. Oh, well, decidedly that. An excellent effort. You have shown us something... quite new tonight. It is new. It is, isn't it, sire? Yes, indeed. So, then you liked it. You... you really liked it, sire. Well, of course I did. It's very good. Uh, of course, now and then, just, just, just now and then, it, it, it seemed a touch, um... What do you mean, sire? Well, I mean, uh, occasionally it seems to have, um... Oh, how shall one say? Um... How shall one say, director? Too many notes, your majesty. Exactly. Very well put. Too many notes. I don't understand. There are just as many notes, majesty, as are required, neither more nor less. Well, my dear fellow, there, there are, in fact, only so many notes the ear can hear in the course of an evening. I, I think I'm right in saying that, aren't I, court composer? Yes. Yes. On the whole, yes, majesty. This is absurd. My dear young man, don't take it too hard. Your work is ingenious. It's quality work. And there are simply too many notes. That's all. Just cut a few and it'll be perfect. Which few did you have in mind, Majesty? <laughs> 